Welcome to episode 111, 111 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Friday the 14th of May 2021. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and today got a couple of things on this episode for you around Microsoft Ads and their new video extensions, so we'll be talking a little bit about PPC. There is a WordPress critical update, I rarely mention these things, but this one's a biggie, so I'll cover that first. And communication on technical audits. Bit of a curveball for you. One of my colleagues, the rather brilliant SEO, Brendan Bennett, did a talk for Authoritas the other week on technical SEO, where he spoke about improving technical audits and communicating them. So I've got a little bit of clip from that show I want to share with you because I think it's really, really interesting. Before I kick off, as usual, a word about our lovely sponsor, Sightbulb. For those that haven't heard of it, where have you been? Um, Maybe you're new to SEO, but Sightbulb is an incredibly popular and for good reason SEO auditing tool. It's desktop-based. It runs on Windows and Mac, and it's something I've personally used and we've used at the agency for absolutely ages now. Um, They've got a special deal set up for Search with Candor podcast listeners, which means instead of going to sitebulb.com, if you go to sitebulb.com forward slash SWC, so SWC for Search with Candor, you'll get an extended 60-day free trial of their software. And this is a free trial that means you don't have to put in any credit card or bank details, so there's no strings attached. So really no excuse not to go and try it. If you haven't heard of Sightbulb before, I would point you towards Search with Candor episode 68, which I'll link to in our show notes. You can find the show notes at search.withcandor.co.uk. And that's something we recorded last summer with one of the founders of Sightbulb, Patrick Hathaway, and it gives you a really nice uh, overview of how Sightbulb was founded, some details about the, the kind of software and what they're looking to achieve. But you've got nothing to lose. Give that free trial a go. Sightbulb.com forward slash SWC. Software stuff and content management things aren't something I usually cover on this podcast, but I do like to be helpful and I know a lot of you will be running sites on WordPress and I hope, of course, that all of you that are running sites on WordPress have someone specifically responsible for keeping them updated and patched because while WordPress as a kind of core CMS itself I think is pretty secure like any software if you keep it up to date um, if you do let updates lapse and vulnerabilities like the one I'm about to talk about um, come out and are in the public, it means that you suddenly become a very easy target to people scanning the web. So I actually picked this up through Search Engine Journal and it's that WordPress 5.7.2 patches a critical vulnerability. So WordPress has released an update now to patch an object injection vulnerability. So why is this important? Why should you care about this? 
So the OWASP.org website has a definition of what PHP object in injection vulnerabilities are, in case that means nothing to you. So their definition is, PHP object injection is an application level vulnerability that could allow an attacker to perform different kinds of malicious attacks, such as code injection, SQL injection, path traversal, and application denial of service, depending on the context. The vulnerability occurs when user-supplied input is not properly sanitized before being passed to the unserialized PHP function. Since PHP allows object serialization, attackers could pass ad hoc serialized strings to a vulnerable unserialized call, resulting in an arbitrary PHP object injection into the application scope. Basically, that's pretty bad. <laughs> You know, the, the things they're listing here of people being able to inject code onto the site or SQL injection is obviously um, actually giving people essentially direct access to query your database, path traversal, then finding their way around your server, all very, very bad things. To kind of objectively give you some insight to that, there is a very useful 1 to 10 scale called the Common Vulnerability Scoring System, the CVSS, which tries to rate all of these vulnerabilities in terms of their um, severity and their likelihood of being exploited in the wild. And this WordPress vulnerability is rated at 9.8 out of 10, which is kind of all everything on fire, very hot. You need to absolutely update as soon as possible. So I, I know a bunch of you will be running um, WordPress sites. So if you had missed that, it's very, very much worth checking that you are updated to the latest version of WordPress to protect yourself from this. So back onto search related stuff, we're going to talk a little bit about PPC and again we have some kind of Microsoft slash Bing related news which is always a joy for me that we don't always have to talk about Google and that this week is about video extensions which is a new feature that's being rolled out on Microsoft ads, so search ads, so that's ads appearing on the Bing uh, search engine. So I'll link again to this post on the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk and I'll just uh, give you the kind of key highlights from this post. So what are video extensions? Video extensions are an interactive way to demonstrate products, services and brand messages. They can showcase special deals, emotions, ambience, culture and action. Combined with other extensions, video extensions create a richer experience that stands out more than just images and words. And so how these uh, video extensions are going to appear, um, they've got an example of a SERP uh, from Bing in their release post and you've got your kind of usual SERP listing with the title, the URL, the meta description, a couple of site links and you've got on the right hand side, and this is of a, a desktop view a tiny little uh, thumbnail image with a video play icon so there's there's that's actually being added directly into the desktop SERP and when a user clicks on that thumbnail image the video will play in a full screen overlay above 
the display text and action text. So this means viewers can watch the video and then click on the call to action button or the text in your ad. On mobile, the video plays in the frame with the display text. The thumbnail image provides an opportunity to engage viewers and generate views. Video extensions, this is what Microsoft says, operate best when they complement your ad with unique content rather than repeating what users can already read in the text. And it's quite interesting here because they go on to list some best practices with these uh, video extensions. And <clears throat> one of them interests me here, which says, um, we don't recommend using action, image, or call extensions with campaigns slash ads groups associated with video extensions because the video competes with them for space. So that's due to this video basically opening up and covering um, all of those other extensions. So they've obviously had quite a play around with trying to just kind of crowbar in videos into both mobile and desktop search results. And that's obviously a really difficult thing to do when space is of a premium and you're trying to show people a selection of well in this case a selection of ads and obviously different search results that are are relevant to them so they they literally just overlay these other extensions and <clears throat> what do we what do we know in terms of costing um the cost of a click to play a video is the same as the cost of a click to your website so that really surprised me actually um, because as anyone will know that's done video advertising at least, the the kind of call to actions, um, you generally get a much lower response on, on click through on those call to actions, right? So, and I, I understand this is different. So if you ran ads, for instance, on YouTube, you pay on a normally on a true view basis, that normally works out to be a couple of pence for someone to view most of your video. And admittedly, they're rarely from a you know from a search engine event, meaning you know starting at Google, they're normally display ads in YouTube. They're um, you know they're like pre-rolls stuff like that. So what's interesting to me here is that it's a video view, but it is triggered by a search event. So those search events are normally why you have that high cost per click on search ads because you know someone has searched for this, they're kind of ready to go, you've got them at the right time and then you're pushing them through to your site, your proposition, your product, whatever it is. I found it interesting that they're charging the same for the video play because you've got that person, you've got them on the search, but then you're not actually sending them to, you know, inside your site. You're just paying to get them to watch a video. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that balances out in terms of end cost per acquisition, what's the kind of campaign efficiency of doing that. Um, there is a big note at the, big, at the start of this announcement from Microsoft saying not everyone has this feature yet. If you don't, don't worry, it's coming soon. And it says that it serves in search networks in the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Germany, Australia, and India. So really looking forward to seeing people trialing these and the results that they get out the back. But that's something that's now uh, live or will be very shortly on Microsoft Ads. As I mentioned in the intro, I'm going to tail off this show with a cut from 
Brendan's talk on technical SEO audits from Authoritas. So if you're doing audits either internally or especially if you're doing them as an agency, Brendan's got some really good tips about how to improve that process and especially improve that communication and the actual um, actions that end up coming from your audit because as anyone that's worked in SEO knows, um, you know, audits themselves are worth very little unless you actually go on to action what's in those reports and like I'm sure many other SEOs I've done audits before and I know full well I've looked you know presented them and we've talked about them and then they've gone and sat on a shelf somewhere or sat on a hard drive and, and gathered dust or you know got fragmented but they, nothing's actually been done so really interesting uh, snippet I'm going to give you now uh, and this is Brendan Bennett from Canda on technical SEO and audits. Right, so uh, as mentioned, I'm going to talk about technical audits, uh, specifically what I might call a cookie cutter approach or a one size fits all method of going about technical audits. Uh, and this was inspired by an audit that a client of mine received not too long ago from a government department uh, of international trade, no less which basically amounted to five or six printouts of automatic reports from different auditing tools, uh, which then required a lot of assistance for that client to suss out and get to the bottom of which recommendations were actually the most useful or relevant to them. It made me think that, although what I've got to say is probably not news or even remotely mind-blowing for a lot of you experts out there, there could still be some value in explaining how or why to avoid going about this overly templated approach to doing audits. My perspective basically being that, you know, if you've given or received uh, an audit that can be produced at the click of a button, that's probably below the standard of what we should all be aiming for together. So uh, my first tip is for SEOs and the business side of things really, which is to do with uh, having a little bit more intimacy with each other which after a year of social distancing, um, I'm probably sure we all want more of. But what I really mean here is uh, a greater understanding or sharing of information between the business or website owner and the site auditor. It's really about knowing uh, what's most important, what the objectives of the business as well as the website are, uh, what are their major focus areas, what major projects have they undertaken or are undertaking, because, you know, it's easy to say that you want to rank in Google, but there's a question of which queries you want to rank for, what types of pages, uh, in what context, what your competitors, what's the search landscape like? These are all relevant questions to be asking. Knowing the team is also about knowing the size of the organization, the receiver of the audit, um, what are their development capabilities and resources, um, how knowledgeable or savvy are they with SEO or technical issues. I'd also say that there's huge value in exploring the website in some depth before you even begin the auditing process. Uh, something I'd like to see more of potentially is business owners, site owners and SEOs actually sitting together and, and crawling uh, or exploring a website to understand how it's structured, what makes it tick. Certainly when I'm doing an audit, that's one thing that I do is click around and get a picture of how the website works while my tools are collecting the data or, or crawling the site. So there's fewer surprises for you when you're actually looking into each issue. I'd also definitely say that you should get comfortable and try and share access to 
Google Analytics and Search Console data as much as you can before the audit starts. Uh, Search Console in particular, I think is increasingly invaluable for how it shows you how Google perceives and uh, crawls and, and indexes the pages on your website. My point being here that this is going to feed the brain of the audit that is going to be. It's going to provide a framework from the offset so that the audit is as relevant and useful as it can be. So my second tip is more for the auditors and the SEOs, which is that you really must validate the issues that are flagged up in order to effectively prioritize the recommendations you're going to make. So in this, I would say that you shouldn't follow too much of a template. Don't rely too heavily on checklists or even rely heavily on the tools you're using to provide accurate information. You know, not all high impact issues that are going to be flagged by SEMrush or Sitebulb or whatever tool are actually going to be the most important thing for the business that you're working with. It could be highlighting a subset of URLs, for example, which are just not super relevant to your search strategy or super important to fix. So I would say that, you know, even if you're 100% confident with the developers that you're handing your order over to, that's no excuse to delegate all of the investigation to them. Especially if you're a junior SEO, uh, like I would have been a couple of years ago, uh, a technical audit is a great opportunity to delve deeper into the website and figure out how technical issues arise, what makes the websites tick, and then you can rely less on tools and rely more on instinct. Uh, another reason that it's important to validate, of course, this will be obvious to most SEOs, is that different sites require different approaches. Uh, even sites within the same sector doing similar things can have vastly different priorities in, in terms of what you recommend. So, you know, if you're working in an e-commerce site, for example, that fasted navigation, page speed, these things potentially rise up the rankings in terms of importance. If you're looking at alt text, for example, uh, alternative definitions for your images, uh, that can be more or less important depending on the types of products that you're selling, whether image search is a key consideration in your traffic acquisition or whether accessibility in your sector is a major consideration for your users. Um, so something that I've been doing a lot, increasing with all my technical audits is prioritizing on a few different measurements, uh, the scale, for example, which URLs are affected, how important are those URLs, uh, by impact, as in the things that you think are going to make the most measurable immediate impact on the bottom line, the key objectives of the business that you're working with, and also by ease of implementation or difficulty, uh, whether this is a thing that two people with a CMS can solve in an afternoon, or whether it's an issue that requires a significant amount of planning and development resource to solve. So my point here is really that the more intimate your understanding, the more uh, your priorities are going to be in the right order for the client or the website at hand. And my final point here is around uh, tailoring, which is really more to do with uh, the presentation of any documentation that you're going to give alongside this audit. So knowing the team, knowing the website, you're going to have a clear idea at this point who's going to be reading, who's going to be implementing, or even selling the recommendations of the audit within the organization. And this will give you a guide as to how you want to present it, how many different types of formats you want to present in. Um, you've got 
sheets, spreadsheets, of course, Word documents, slideshows. Uh, each of these can be more or less useful. You could want a combination of the three, depending on who you're working with. And it should be matched to that understanding that we've discussed. You know, um, what are the capabilities of the team that you're working with? I think as uh, SEOs, we sometimes get a reputation for being box tickers. I've definitely encountered this. And I think that's because with technical audits, sometimes you're tempted to just give a kitchen sink list of every single issue that you've discovered. And sometimes actually less is more. That might not be necessary. It could be that you want to present mainly the five or six sort of mission critical issues, things that are really going to be the most essential to the business immediately. And sometimes more detail is needed. Sometimes less detail is needed, depending on where you are in the, the process of this audit and getting it through the organization. Ultimately, uh, this is all about getting an audit in such a shape because ultimately it's about getting the buy-in, getting those actions completed. And I think if done correctly, if framed correctly, if we do some of these things that I've talked about, there's going to be a really explicit link in the audit materials between the findings, the recommendations that you're making, and the business implications of doing or not doing certain actions. So uh, in summary, uh, what I've talked about will be up on uh, the slide in terms of uh, intimacy and understanding uh, and so on. Uh, my point being not necessarily that I'm perfect at this. I don't think I've ever seen a perfect SEO or technical audit necessarily, but improving the way that we communicate and work together just as marketers and in general as, as businesses and SEOs working together, we can always do more to improve the way we do things. Loads of brilliant points from Brendan there, especially about always looking to improve. So I've done hundreds of SEO audits uh, over the years, and it's important not just to look at what you're auditing, what tools you're using, but that communication to the client to get that job done, to track the changes, to validate them, and actually then ongoing after those changes have been made, monitoring so you're not making the same mistakes are really important um, to get value out the other end. So definitely something you can constantly improve on. So I hope you enjoyed that talk from Brendan. I absolutely loved watching him do it live. And that's the end of this episode. So of course, we will be back in one week's time again, which will be Monday, the 24th of May. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Thank you. I've had a couple of really nice messages over the last couple of weeks. Some really nice feedback on the podcast. I really appreciate that. Makes me feel like it's uh, worth carrying on uh, every week. If you do enjoy it, share it with a friend, leave us a review. Um, it is really appreciated. Makes my day. And apart from that, hope you all have a lovely week.